storytelling. Life reflects itself back at me through glass, and I'm on the wrong side of it. My face, with its reversed alignments and less symmetrical than I recognise, details the look of a writer who has lost her voice. It's been several long and frustrating months spent seeking inspiration. I worked at home at first, hoping my study full of books would by osmosis impart to me some wisdom and prompt an outpouring of something that I could sell. Now I'm a cliché in a café, setting up at my table each morning and paying my rent in coffee. But I do like to watch the lives sliding past me and sometimes slipping inside. They're my hope for speaking again. I've become, by creative necessity, a voyeur, seeking something from the nameless figures I see each day from my table as I drink. So many women passing by each day, faces with entire lives held behind them. What are their stories? Who are their loves? I catch each one briefly, only to breathe them in and then let them slip away. I can't hold on to them, these transitory figures with their undiscovered histories. Trying to voice their narratives makes me feel like a ventriloquist, strangely removed. The only story I can surely tell with conviction is mine. My loves. My desires. My pain. So many threads to pull together to weave a meaningful life. Write what you know, sure. But what if my story is just another pin to the board with its wings spread, neither useful nor interesting? There's pure horror in believing that your life might have nothing to say. As I lift my cup and drain it, my gaze catches a door opening at the base of a block of expensive apartments across the street. A man in a tailored black suit emerges like a snake, smoothing his way out onto the pavement, very precisely removing a pair of gloves. Details jump out at my writer's brain as he completes his exit. He doesn't seem to touch anything as he moves from the door, and the way he strips the rubber from his fingertips is practised. He looks neither left nor right. He trusts that he's not seen, or he doesn't care if he is. As he discards the gloves onto the concrete without flourish, a street cleaner sweeps them away behind him with perfect timing, and the man disappears into the crowd, entering the market at the end of the street. I leave the cafe and stand on the corner, my eyes straining to recapture this mysterious figure, but he's completely gone. I sit back down at my table and start to capture every detail of the last few strange moments. I feel certain that a crime has been committed. This man had every air of the assassin, and I wonder if I should report him to the police. But what is there really to say? Someone left a building and discarded a pair of gloves? No, I can't recall a single detail of his face. Suddenly, it sounds remarkably banal. But something is happening here. I realise I'm reaching out to grasp a thread. An unfinished story that's been hanging unseen just outside my purview, where I think I've chosen to ignore it for many years. This black-clad man makes my synapses fire in a way I've not experienced for a long time. 
but I'm not going to give you his story. I'm going to give you mine. It's time to bring an incomplete tale to its end. And to do that, I'm going to have to commit my own very necessary crime to tell it as it should always have been told. The night I ran for my own life and to save another, I can remember feeling the urgency that carried my feet over the city pavements as if I was propelled by a supernatural force. In my pathetically thin-soled shoes, completely unsuited to a cold December night and the unforgiving concrete streets, I understood that my errand could not fail. If it did, the life of someone so dear to me would be lost to violence in the playing out of a very adult drama. I could not understand its depths, its darkness rooted in a sexual jealousy and possession I wouldn't know until I grew and recognised it in my own relationships and ran again, away from the cycles of the past that I needed to break. By then, I had learnt that you always keep your keys with you and that you get between him and the door when you leave. Back then, in those naive teenage years, I bolted through the gap we made between the monster and the stairs and left everything behind me. I lost the means of re-entry and was punished by months of living on different floors, sleeping in different beds, my life in one salvaged bag of my possessions. The soundtrack that helped me escape the fear playing on a few precious cassettes. It passed, of course, like any difficult time does. I went home to a much-receded threat and resumed life with the promise the monster in my house would soon be gone. And it was. It retreated to a new labyrinth in which to hide and wait for a new victim to enter, its twists and turns promising excitement while hiding the dark truth that lay in wait. Dominance, control, humiliation. All the monstrous rules with which I grew up were not the standard etiquette in the homes of my friends. I learnt my manners from novels, what life was meant to look like to those who moved in different circles from mine. I tried to blend in, but was always marked as different. I missed the cues, was too single-minded for politeness, having learned early from the panicked alarm call of the amygdala that self-preservation was always going to be more important than conformity. I'm writing what I know. Do you see? I'm finally finding my voice again. And what I know to be my life may not be what you recognise. But don't pity me. There is a piece missing from this story of my past. A piece that may finally offer some sense of an ending if I can just work out how to write it. My endless cafe hours, my vigilance, have planted such an unexpected seed of opportunity. I think again of that man, serpent-like, in full view and yet somehow unseen, and I learn, and I plot, and I think that maybe now is the time for the monsters to be afraid. Because I am rewriting their story. And what are their stories but more narratives of control in this world of the cruel? I write for those who submit every day to the roles drawn for them, to boundaries unchosen. We smile, we please, 
we stay silent. For the price of protest, of being the difficult, noisy victim of a tale we did not choose, a disruptor with our noise and our blood and our mess is high. All the novels of my life, read and written, have brought me to this point. They have birthed me. I am their creation. They have, in their turn, created a teller of tales. Now, I am taking up my pen and I am finishing my story. And, in the process of that telling, at least one monster is going to fall. It does not take long to find his lair. I don't even have to leave the cafe to roam the search engines that so easily track him down. Still sitting bullish in his labyrinth, he never moved. He believes his own truth without question. His narrative, the only possible version that may stand. He chose to never hear my voice. Whether raised in fear or in protest, he silenced me by bundling his words into my mouth like cloth, soaking up my stories and wringing them out where they could not be heard. My voice was lost. Such was the power of his quieting. He was the master of the lexicon as I grew up, but I will no longer be spoken for. I will enter this labyrinth not as Ariadne, but as the hero of my own tale. And something red will run, but it will not be a ball of thread. I'm going to find my own way home, rewriting my way out of this long silence. I prepare. The pen I choose is so very sharp. It is a writing implement that will leave a permanent trace so that my words will not be forgotten. I want my monster to see, to feel, to be the bearer of my words as he lives out what is left of his life in his sad lair. Yes, sad now. I grow in confidence and I pity the narrowness of his vision, although I do not excuse it. The victims, not the perpetrators, are usually the ones who have to wear the story to the end. But I have slipped the skin that you made me. I have dissolved and re-emerged, remade. Ready to speak. Ready to write. I watch his home for a while, noting the routines, the habits, who comes and who goes. Not many. He's lonely now. Too old to seduce those young women who flocked to him in his prime. Even monsters age. I slide in my black clothes through the darkness, startling a fox. Two predators abroad. She's a vixen foraging for her young, and I hear her cutthroat cry as she calls them to her, eyeing me warily, sensing my purpose. I pause in the shadows, to finger the syringe in my pocket. I've done my research and told some lies to gather my tools. I do not know this woman I've become. Would I recognise her as she slipped past me through the glass? I must have learned from your expert manipulations a long time ago. You did not realise your lessons would serve me so well to bring you down. I've seen where your cleaner leaves the key. I help myself to it and slip inside your maze. 
This time, I am the warrior, not the victim, and I'll walk straight into the heart of your domain, fearless and clutching my weapons. Nothing like the sword of Theseus, just a needle and a nib. Women's things. What harm could I possibly do? As I quietly open the door to the heart of your lair, I hear your breath. No longer the hot, bullish snort, but the crackle of age, like paper. Like paper, too, your skin, as I find the right place and push my needle in. Your eyes open wide with shock, in recognition as you wake, but already you can't move. You try to open your mouth to protest, but nothing comes. Do you like your silence? I straddle your frail hips and the watching moon lights your chest as I carefully unbutton you. I feel an unexpected and momentary intrusion of compassion. Am I hurting you already? But I do not remember your kindness towards me. The insults, the violence, all rob me of that now as I reach for my pen. It is the old-fashioned kind, needing ink to feed the sharp nib. I do not have a pot of ink. I have you. Your bull's eyes roll in their sockets as I bring down the tip to pierce you, filling my pen red with each tear and each scratch that it makes. It wants to take its time. It is neat and precise as it writes, just like its bearer. The words have to be the right ones so that you will remember each time you see them in your crooked mirror, the women whose stories you silenced and whose words you now have to wear. I always had a voice. You will tell my story. As I finish, I look down at the thin red threads running down your chest and into the sheets. It's taken so long to cut my ties to you, but now we are done. You no longer get to silence my story, old bull. Now you will bear the weight of it. You no longer hold me to my past. And as your ink flows and feeds my pen, I will keep writing my story and the stories of all the voiceless others away from you and into the promise of a very vocal future. As I close the door behind me, I discard my gloves and I hear the triumphant shout of the fox as she finds her prey. <laughs>